have a good evening everyone. Everybody's brains are okay after being fried there for a couple of minutes without me connect. Although I did manage because when I saw the telly, if I can answer one, I'm lucky. So I think we did um, we did pretty well there. Paul isn't here tonight, so I can, he was speaking only a couple of weeks ago, so I can diss his sermon now, because he's not here. But uh, no, while he was speaking about Ahab, I don't know if you can remember, a couple of weeks ago, as I was listening to him speaking, it caused me to have quite a few, and it probably did you as well, caused me to have quite a few different feelings going on inside of me. Because he was talking about, or, and we will talk tonight, about God's wonderful grace. And those words that we say, his amazing grace, his saving grace, he mentioned it that night, his outrageous grace. How happy and contented I feel to be a recipient of such a wonderful experience as God's grace. But then, as he went on and he reminded us of how evil Ahab was, and I've got on real back, especially the Naboth part, because do you know what? When he was talking about the neighbor, I can remember him um, doing Naboth's vineyard when we were in Sunday school. And feeling really gifted for that man, like, thinking he's all he's done, he's owned a vineyard. And the king wants it, and he's come in, and he's taken it from under his feet. And not only that, but he's taken his life as well. And the whole story is just so... Unfair, but I guess not the word I want, but it's just such an unfair story to be part of. And it really used to affect me when I was a kid when I heard that story. And then, so he, he talked about all that and how, what Ahab's part was in the Naboth vineyard, Naboth's vineyard. And then he said that God showed grace towards him when he repented. And i got to be honest, I sat there and I felt quite indignant about it. I thought, well, I really don't think that's right, you know, that God showed grace to such a man. And I've been thinking about it over the last couple of weeks. And as I've been thinking about it, I was reminded of another man in the Old Testament who became quite indignant to the grace of God. In fact, he was right, downright angry. He was so angry that he wanted to die. Does anybody know who that man was? Jonah. All right, Nige. <laughs> he was briefly mentioned in the sermon this morning. That man was Jonah. He was so angry at the grace of God. Now, this is a little bit odd, I know, because God's grace is amazing. <laughs> It's outrageous, it's saving, it's, it's wonderful, it's this wonderful experience we can have. But Jonah was so angry at the grace of God that he wanted God to kill him. That's how angry he was. So he is another uh, character in the Bible when um, I was in Sunday school. I used to absolutely love hearing about Jonah. <clears throat> and we know him. Because he's famous for being swallowed by a big fish. Now listen to my tale of Jonah and the whale. Way down in the middle of the ocean. How did he get there? Whatever did he wear? Way down in the middle of the ocean. A preaching he should be and 
Warren Mather, what he was wearing, mind I never did get. But that was one of my favourites when I was in Sunday school. And he was famous, wasn't he, Jonah, for being swallowed by this big fish. Or in this case, the whale. But you know what, as we read his story, he is much more than that. He's much more than just famous for being swallowed by a whale. And the book has a lot to teach us about the God that Jonah served. We all know the story, but if you don't, I'm just going to recap it. Oh, so for the benefit of the, for the benefit of the tape, <laughs> I'm going to tell you all about Jonah, just in case anybody who's listening doesn't know anything about him. But Jonah was called to do a job for God, but he turned down the assignment and preferred to run away from God. He went down to Jopper, and he caught a boat going in the opposite direction to anybody know? Anybody remember? Tarsh, Tarshish. I wanted you to say it because I thought if she says it first, I make sure I'm saying it right. <laughs> Tarshish. But he was supposed to be going to Nineveh, which I did mean to write down. It's not actually opposite, it's sort of where it is. Sort of, but it's the, other, it's the other direction. It's going the other way. So as I said he turned down his assignment and he went on this boat and he's merrily sailing away to Tarshish when all of a sudden a storm brews up on the boat. There's panic ensuing everywhere because it really is a bad storm. Well when I say there's panic ensuing everywhere that is apart from Jonah who knows his God so well He's fast asleep in the bottom of the boat while all this is going on. Well, anyway, they go down and they, you know, they say, look, this is happening. Have you any idea why this is happening? Um, They cast lots and guess what? The lot falls on him. He's the one who is to blame. It's his, and as soon as this, this happens, Jonah owns up and says, well, actually, you know, it is my fault. I'm not supposed to be on this boat, I'm supposed to be on my way to Nineveh, but um, I didn't fancy it, <laughs> so here I am on the way up to Tarshish. So once he's owned up and the crew know that it's him, he says, look, throw me into the sea. And um, the crew were like, well, you know, is there another, is there another way out? But no, he says, no, you, you, throw, you have to throw me into the sea. So you could say, this is funny bit for you, you could say that Jonah had his spirit dampened. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> he wasn't in a very good place. I'm just going to read. Verse 15 says, so they picked up Jonah, verse 15 of chapter 1 says, so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging and uh, I like verse 16 because I think because obviously Jonah was on was supposed to go on his way to Nineveh so that he could tell them um, what God wanted them to know but I all, all, as I was reading this this week I thought oh there was a bonus with Jonah's bonus with Jonah's life 
because in verse 16 it says and the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows I thought there they are they've all given their lives to the Lord all those that crew on that boat what a bonus I mean what I, I think to myself now if I was in God's timing that he, he went off to Tarshish so that all these men on board this ship could come to know him as they are Lord and they are God but of course we are um, concentrating on Jonah tonight he is in the water and a great fish God causes a great fish to come and swallow Jonah up and while he was in this fish there's a lot of shush shushes here God dealt with Jonah's heart he repented the fish was sick and Jonah made his way to Nineveh and that's the story of Jonah in a nutshell <laughs> in a way like that <laughs> You are. I thought he was in a whale. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nineveh was a great city. It was situated, it's situated in modern-day Iraq, with, and it had a huge reputation, untouchable, I suppose, from a human standpoint. But as Jonah told them, they were in the front. But as Jonah told them, they were in the front to God like Sodom and Gomorrah before them. And his uh, message to these people of Nineveh, Nineveh was, if they did not repent of their evil ways, then in 40 days, Nineveh, in all its strength, with all its reputation, with all the evilness that was going on there and the untouchableness that they must have felt, in 40 days, Nineveh would be destroyed. Now, three days, because that's how long it took him to walk Nineveh, three days Jonah proclaimed the word of the Lord. And, surprise, surprise, they listened and they repented. And like Ahab, who we heard a few weeks ago, about a few weeks ago, they called a fast and they put on sackcloth from the king in his palace right down to the pauper begging on the street and God relented from bringing disaster upon them now then this is where it all gets a little bit sticky for Jonah now I think if I if this was some great evangelist like Billy Graham and he's just preached the gospel and he's given the appeal and the hymn is ringing out, just as I am, without one plea. And everyone in the place, in the place that he's just preached, is coming forward. Every single person has got up the, out of their seat and is walking towards the front to give their lives to Jesus. I'd say, wow! I always got to get wow in my sermons. But I'd say, wow, what a result! Billy would say, wow, what a result that was. I mean, thousands used to come forward in his um, campaigns, but never ever have I seen every single person get up from their seat and walk forward. Jonah had been preaching for three days, and the whole city repented. The whole city, mind you. Billy 
would have been going around high-fiving everyone. Revival would be proclaimed and Billy would be on cloud nine, knowing that the gospel had been listened to and acted upon. But I'll just read to you Jonah's reaction. I'll just read verse 10 of chapter 3, which says, Then God saw their works, but they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Not like Billy at all. And I read verse 2, which says, So he prayed to the Lord and said, Our Lord, was not this why, what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Now I must have read this verse a hundred times in my life and heard it preached so many times. But I personally had always been under the impression and preached it myself, this impression, that Jonah ran away from God because he was afraid to go to Nineveh because of their reputation, because of the way that they were, because they were uh, an evil city and they, they did human sacrifice and, and all that sort of thing. And they, they, like I say, they had a reputation that went before them and they weren't very nice people. And that was the reason I thought he thinks he'll go there now and they'll tear him to shreds. But you know what, and I've probably heard it and it just has gone over the top of my head, but I read this this time and a light bulb went on in my head and I said, and I thought to myself, he didn't run away from God because he was afraid to go to Nineveh because of their reputation and who they were. He ran away because he knew God too well. And he knew that if he went there and preached, that if they didn't repent, then they would be destroyed, that God would be gracious, he would be merciful, he would be slow to anger, he would be abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents from doing harm. That's what he was afraid of. He knew that if they repented, God would forgive them. Because that's the God he knew. That's the God he loved. That was the God he served. And Jonah was a snob and knew that if his preaching was successful, then the promised punishment for Nineveh would be withdrawn. So Jonah was a Hebrew, one of God's chosen. And no one knew this verse gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, better than the Hebrews knew it. And they attested it often enough. And i just like to turn to Numbers 14. In Numbers 14, we read the account of the 12 spies, the first set of 12 spies, that were sent out to um, spy out the land of milk and honey, flowing with milk and honey. This is after they had just left Egypt and they were in the wilderness. And these spies were sent out. And needless to say, when they came back, they didn't have a very good report. It didn't go well. And apart from Joshua and Caleb, 
these values were full of negativity and caused them to descend into that why didn't you leave us in Egypt where there was graves for us to be buried in and why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that and why have you done this and why have you done that this is God's response to this tirade of moaning (laughs) then the Lord said to Moses how long will these people reject me now please understand me by you when I say this these people had seen miracle upon miracle upon miracle haven't they Dave? Yeah. and we we all know that because david did that series for about four years was it <laughs> and we all know what they saw they saw the plagues and they saw how they were delivered from them they didn't even touch them they saw the red sea open for goodness sake I mean, what more do you need to see? They'd seen um, the Egyptians drowned in the Red Sea. They had seen God do marvellous things. They had a pillar of fire. They had a cloud to guide them. All these things. And they come back and they worried about a few giants. Or, and I say giants, just tall people <laughs> in, in the land. Because <laughs> they weren't giants. They were just bigger than them. And this is what he says. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? What have I got to do so that these people will believe me? How long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they he's quite angry to say the least but then we go on and we read that Moses pleads the Israelites cause and then he throws these words back at God which are almost identical to the words in Jonah which says the Lord you have he says um, and now I pray let the power of my Lord be great Just as you have spoken, just as God has said, the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. That's the God that Jonah knew. That was the God that Jonah's ancestors had known. That even though so many times things had occurred for the Israelites, he had time and time and time and time again show mercy and grace and forgiveness the Hebrews like no other nation knew God's grace and forgiveness and they really should have known better it goes on to say in Jonah that the Ninevites didn't know their left hand their right hand from their left but the Israelites did the Israelites knew everything about God and God had done so much for them so they had no excuse like the Ninevites did they should have known better and should have been destroyed ten times over but God who is gracious merciful slow to anger and overflowing with love Jonah knew exactly who God was and how this would play out you can imagine him. But God, they don't deserve your grace. 
your mercy and your love. They deserve to be destroyed. They are foreigners. They are Israel's enemies. They do evil in your sight. Thank God that his grace and mercy and love is universal. That he is a God of all people and not just the chosen few. David knew that. David knew that he was this wonderful God. We were sitting in Genesis on Tuesday night for the prayer meeting and she read that psalm. She knows that God is a God of love and abounding, a God of grace and mercy and abounding in love. Thank God that when he sent Jesus to come to this earth, he was born in a stable and not a palace and that he grew up in a humble home. The Bible says he had nowhere to lay his head and yet when he spoke, he was articulate, he could draw crowds of thousands would hang on his every word. It was said of him that no man ever spoke like this man. He could hold, he could hold, it, hold his own with kings and stoop down to the beggar in the street. You know, I was thinking of myself in this situation. We might not like certain people. I might not like certain people. And maybe even look down my noses at people who are not as fortunate as I am, or have made bad choices and found themselves at the bottom of a very dark pit, or have done horrible things that we cannot even conceive how God could forgive them. But God forgave me, and he forgave you. He forgave Jonah when he was in the belly of the fish, and he cried to God, and he enjoyed his mercy. Jonah enjoyed his mercy when it was extended to him. He gave him a second chance. But Jonah wanted him to treat the people of Nineveh differently. But how can God do that? If repentance is is shown, God cannot do anything differently or he would cease to be who he is. It was okay for Jonah to be a recipient of God's mercy. But surely there are limits. It's okay for me to be a recipient of God's grace and mercy. It's okay for you to be recipients of God's grace and mercy. But surely there's a limit to his grace and mercy. Thank God tonight that there are no limits to his grace and his mercy and his love. That souls everywhere can benefit from this wonderful attribute. Why? Because salvation is of the Lord. That's what Jonah said when he was in the fish. It's not of any race, any nation, however chosen or privileged that nation is. It's not of any class. It's not black or white, rich or poor, good or bad. All these people can receive God's grace because of his salvation. Now I started my sermon tonight by saying I had mixed feelings while listening to Paul's sermon a few weeks back. How amazing is God's grace, but really should Ahab benefit from it? Do you know what? I still can't understand it. But I'm so glad that's the way it is with God. Because it means I can bask in his grace tonight. 
be surrounded by his love and know that I am secure in my salvation because it comes straight from him. And what I can say, you can say. Amen. Amen.